Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy podcast featuring Reverend Eric. Join me on an exploration of the practice, philosophy, and history of the occult, esotericism, and the paranormal. Welcome back to the 2021 forecast. This is part two, where we were, we will be covering July through December of 2021. I am your host, Reverend Eric, and I am joined by cartomancer T. Susan Chang and astrologer Andrew B. Watt uh, to use all of our favorite divination tools and most terrifying divination tools to look at the second half of the coming year. Uh T. Susan Chang, would you like to introduce yourself briefly? Nothing would delight me more. Uh, (laughs) I am T. Susan Chang, also known as Susie Chang. I am the co-host and producer of the Fortune's Wheelhouse podcast, which I... uh, which I produced with with Mel Moline, the the tarot artist. Uh, We are temporarily on hiatus having just finished several zodiac episodes but we are releasing a new book in march of new year of the new year called tarot deciphered decoding esoteric symbolism in modern tarot that's coming out from Llewellyn, uh available for pre-order now and i also have my own self-published book coming out uh that's going to be titled probably 36 secrets a decon a decanic guide to tarot's minor arcana, an obvious homage to the uh, well-known 36 Faces of Austin topic. Uh, on my website, tsusanchang.com, you can find my online tarot course, The Living Tarot, as well as signing up for readings and mentorship sessions. And there's links to my books and other products, as well as uh, on Etsy, I have Arcana cases, which are custom-made silk and brocade cases for tarot decks, zodiacal perfumes, custom astrological perfumes, and for a little while longer, face masks. I think that's it for me. All right. Hopefully, hopefully not face masks for too much longer. Hopefully we don't need them. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's I mean, see have you what listened to part says. one yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, all right. And Andrew B. Watt, uh, it is your turn to introduce thyself. Well, I'm an astrologer. My name is Andrew B. Watt. I live in Western Massachusetts. You can find me on the web at Andrew B. Watt, where I have andrewbwatt.com, where I have uh, been writing a deckhands-based astrology column for the last what year and a half, I guess, year and three quarters even. Yeah, and uh, all of the links to my Etsy site, uh, where you can buy books of my astrological poetry and uh and my amazon account where i have also published books for kindle all of the links to that stuff is in the upper right hand corner of the that page and i'm found in various places on the web under the names andrew b watt or a b watt i i'm in one or both of those locations on 
a number of other places, including Twitter. That's, I think, where you and I met is through Twitter. It's possible. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, okay. And I guess uh, I would also like to uh, plug a few of my own things. Uh, both Susie and I are in a new book of tarot spreads called A Small Collection of Specialized Spreads, Volume 2. Uh, it features over 30 unique tarot spreads by nearly 30 unique readers from around the world, and it's uh, available online in the Arnamancy shop. Uh, I also, uh, hopefully at this point, have a new four-week class that I am that's open for enrollment called The Other Trithemian Art, Secret Codes and Ciphers of the Wizards. You can find those on my website, arnamancy.com. Uh, where, where's... You know what's really funny, Eric? No. Um, the spread that I included in that book uh, is called the Why Worry spread, which I thought was a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it's sort of like, here are the things to worry about. Here are the reasons. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> uh, um, before we jump into July of twenty. 21. Uh, I also want to mention that all three of us, um, all three of us do readings professionally, and we are all offering a 20% off special if you use discount code BIGFLUSH20, uh, possibly with a hyphen. Um, and you can use that on all of, for all of our divination services until the last day of Twelfth Night, which is January 5th, and links to those will also be in the show notes. So um, after you have finished with uh, all of the existential dread generated by this episode, <laughs> you can go get your own uh, personalized <laughs> existential dread from the diviner of your choice. Uh, why worry? Why, why worry? worry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So now on to uh, part two of our uh, 2021 forecast. Um, we're moving into... July of 2021. If you haven't listened to uh, part one, I would advise uh, going back and listening to at least the beginning part of it, not only so that our individual plugs like seep deeper into, into your subconscious, <laughs> but so that you can listen to <laughs> us uh, chat about sort of the opening of the year and Andrew's method for um, coming up with the charts for each month. But uh, we don't have to do that again, so let's just... Um, Let's just uh, strap on our adult diapers and jump in. Andrew, off to you. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> on, on all of this, does our success depends. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for oh, my humor. <laughs> Low humor, really. So as Eric mentioned, go back to the start of part one to see how we generate the charts. But... Venus is the ruler of the year from the perspective of where I live in the world, from the meridian of Western Massachusetts or the meridian of Springfield, Northampton. Otherwise, Venus is the, the, the seat of the consciousness of the cosmos. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, this is a personalized divination for the Connecticut River. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than that. We, we specified going into this that this was for read, readers and listeners of the Arnamancy show and... Yes. podcast and blog and this is personalized to all of you it just happens to be very western massachusetts centric 
<laughs> Susie lives on the east side of the river. I live on the west side of the river. And the meridian between us runs down Main Street in Northampton. So Venus is the queen of the year. And at the moment, she's in Leo. And uh, the date that we're looking at is July 2nd, 2021 at, uh, at just noon. So she's come up over the horizon. She's in the 12th house. And if you think about her as the queen or the sovereign, she is coming up on a conjunction with Mars. So she's in a place of, she's in a place of loneliness. She's in a place of cadency. Um, she's in the 12th house, which is a place of, of limitation or boundedness or constraint. And she's about to make contact with this warlike separating and divide, dividing power and disconnecting power. And in my preliminary notes, I described this as, uh, as being very much a place of opposition and difficulty, especially since before she gets to that conjunction with Mars, she's got to have an opposition with Saturn first. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, this is a whole lot of of nastiness right before the Fourth of July. Can we get a poor baby for Venus? Poor baby <laughs> for <laughs> Venus. Now the other side of this is that we look. We Venus is the queen of the year, so she's in charge. But we also have to look at what the prime minister is doing, and the prime minister is determined by the ascendant, and the ascendant is Virgo. So Mercury is, is the current prime minister. And if we think about Mercury as sort of the technocrat or the bureaucrat or the, the expert, then we should be paying attention to the fact that, that Mercury is in the middle decan of, uh, of Gemini in the 10th house. So Mercury in a very managerial role, but also in a diverse role. That middle decan of Gemini is called the hermaphrodite in 36 Faces by Austin Kopic, which by this point that you're listening to it, I hope it's available in second edition. It really is a necessary book. Although really people should probably just buy Susie's book. <laughs> you need both of them. Both of them. You need both. <laughs> His is decans with a little bit of tarot. Mine is tarot with a little bit of decans. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then my column is sort of halfway between. <laughs> so the, the the listener, dear listener, you're just going to be super busy right now. Empty your wallet. Go read everything. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> in in any case, this looks a whole lot like the the bureaucrats or the technocrats or the experts having ascendancy or having leadership roles and and for lack of a better term scientism based decisions okay uh fair enough i'll stop there okay okay then on to the cards. Susie, you ready? Ah, okay. Uh, no, but let me switch over and I will be. Okay. All right. Here we go. There it is. All right. Let's see it. Queen of Wands. Ooh. Oh, the yeah. woman without equal. <laughs> yes. Yes. I always think and, of that as the steamy ruler. Well, she is steamy. Um, and she is a ruler and she's you know she's the most forward facing the most outward facing the most public 
of the queens, the one who's not afraid to uh, be on stage and to reconnect with lots of other people. I think this is going to be where our social life kind of just comes back alive. You know, um, some say she's promiscuous, which I think is really being unkind, <laughs> but uh, she just likes people a lot. And, you know, even our, you can see even our pets are doing well <laughs> in this uh, scenario here. But, you know, what's interesting here is that, um, you know, she's, she's got this, this suit symbol of the sunflower. This is, um, this is, although she belongs to the Aries deck, and that's a reference to Leo, you know, because it's um, a general sort of uh, a look at the fire triplicity, the imagery in here. And she's, she is, we're looking at July and people are gonna be, you know, getting together and doing things together and enjoying themselves. And I've really, this is the first really fantastic, I think, um, draw since the beginning of the year, you know, um, mm -hmm. where we see just a sort of getting to do the things you wanna do. I often think of chord cards as roles that we play and, this is us getting to reconnect with our social selves again. That's what I think. The other sort of possible inflection we could read into this is the idea of um, networking again, of starting new projects, of starting to look ahead and see what the next new thing is. I mean, she is associated with that Aries deck. And so there is always a sense of enterprise and, um, and following those new ideas wherever they may take you. This kind of makes me want to refer back to uh, part one, where yeah. we drew, in, I think in April, hold on, I, mm -hmm. I took notes. Um, yeah, we drew, now, well, we drew the Seven of Cups in April, but and one, the Ace of Wands. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe one of the cards, though, you sort of interpreted as maybe people uh, starting to collaborate again, or or you were sort of thinking that was it was going to be artists, you know, sharing work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was nature. April. That was yeah, Venus and Scorpio. But then we had some stuff happen that seemed to kind of push that back yeah. down, almost like a false start. Yeah. Then so, so I July so. might be uh, a second start or an opportunity for us to get out again. Right. You know, and I think it's sort of like. Um, what's interesting is that we have had two court cards in a row. We had the Page of Swords at the in June, and now the Queen of Wands in July. And I often think of um, of court cards as the roles that we allow ourselves to play. So it's almost like we're getting back on stage in life, you know, and getting to try out parts of our personality that have been sort of holed up and you know, in quarantine for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. All right. I like that. Well, yeah. let's hope that we can carry some of that into August. Let's hope. Again, Venus is our queen of the year and she's moved on into Virgo. And in Virgo, she's in fall. And some of the traditional sources describe it as a person under house arrest in the house of a sick person. Yikes. So it's, it's not being able to do things for yourself and not being able to trust your hosts or your sponsors to do things for you. 
and uh, she's fresh off of her conjunction with Mars. So she's now in a superior place and Mars is chasing her, but he's a slower planet. So he's not, he's not going to be able to catch up, but, uh, but Venus is trying to move forward into Libra and given that the ascendant was in Libra, that's going to be sort of the moment when uh, I should say in the January chart, the ascendant was in Libra. So, waiting for venus to get to libra is kind of a big deal uh and that happens a, quite a bit later in the year but uh in in terms of this she's in this trine relationship with uranus and taurus and uh and susie was talking in episode one about upheavals in the artistic world or in the entertainment world and this looks a whole lot more like ongoing upheavals in the world of work, career, and money. Uh, Uranus is in the second house ruled by Venus. Venus is in, uh, is in the house of daily work, the sixth house. And so it's companies analyzing uh, their books and realizing that they don't have to maintain expensive physical properties. They don't have to manage large campuses they can just let their workers be at home what does that look like how does that affect the world of work going forward uh and pluto is also in the 10th house which is sort of the third part of that triad of work and that's the accumulative power so that's uh that's the billionaires realizing oh we can get a whole lot richer by not maintaining real estate Ooh. Ooh. That's nice. Yeah, you know, there's a whole lot that makes sense in that to me because, you know, that middle decan, one of the things which you also mentioned in your summary, I think, is that that's her decan. Uh, it may, she may be in fall, but that's Venus's decan. And as you well know, there are some benefits, since you have that in your chart. Yeah. You know, there are some benefits to that placement in that it makes for phenomenal makers of things and artisans. Um, and that, and a certain self-sufficiency. And it's interesting that you brought up this idea of um, working at home, uh, given that this is the the card that's traditionally represented by a woman alone in her garden, kind of making things perfect. It's also the Lord of Gain, which sort of reflects the um, notion of, you know, ways that you can increase your profits by, um, you know, by rethinking your real estate. Hmm. I think all of that makes sense. We haven't talked very much about the the Saturn-Jupiter uh, conjunction that occurs from the perspective of when we're doing this episode in uh, in just about 10 days. Is it is right. less, less than, than that, that? It's like seven Nine days, days from now. Seven yeah. days. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a so that's on, on us. That's December 21st, but it's the first time that... Uh, it's the first time that Jupiter and Saturn have conjuncted one another in an air sign. They did they did so in the triple conjunction in 1980-81. But the time before that was I think in the four, early 1400s. And uh, and there's this idea of ephemeralization when you have an air age. You have the dissolution of stable structures. So this looks a whole lot like flexible work patterns starting to take hold. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. 
Um, I feel like also it, respiratory plagues. Also <laughs> respiratory plagues. <laughs> Fixed air, Aquarius. I um, just have to do the Little Miss Sunshine. Thing yeah, here. thanks, Susie. <laughs> uh, but I do think that that's a, an interesting point. Um, just looking at the way uh, the COVID, you know, pandemic lockdown and all of that kind of stuff has has impacted how working life is operating for so many people with uh, normal jobs, not you know us weirdos but like people who have <laughs> who have normal jobs are suddenly all working from home um i think it is going to cause a really strange upset it's going to it's going to make people realize so i think that part of it is like working from home people are going to realize that they don't have to be urban all the time but i think mm-hmm. they're also going to start to realize that people with office jobs don't actually work that much that's true and so we might see a really big shift in the way uh, work habits are expressed. Um, I personally would be really surprised if it happened as soon as August 2021. But then again, the younger generations, uh, as if there are any generations younger than us, um, they uh, they tend to be reacting to things pretty quickly. And they seem to have a really good uh, handle on social change and making sure that social change kind of happens. So I hope that this is super accurate i would love to see that happen it would it would it would make me filled with joy i was trying to come up with some sort of really uncomfortable metaphor and that's all i had um (laughs) susie would you like to uh draw us a card yes let's have a look here Ah, look, it's the Two of Cups. Oh, it's one of my favorite cards in the world. It's the Lord of Love. The Venus and Cancer one. Yeah, this is this is delightful. This is delightful. I mean, this this suggests, um, you know, a real um, just excitement about returning to seeing other people in general, you know, the other with a capital O, but also, you know, I think this is also a sort of like, I don't know, falling in love with life again, a little bit, you know, I mean, I think that quarantine and this whole virus arc has been pretty terrible for just the idea of one-on-one relationships in a way. You know, yeah. it's been it's been hard for people who are, you know, not settled into whatever sort of family configuration <laughs> people in middle midlife tend to gravitate towards. But no, I think there's something here about um, rediscovering the other and uh, and 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 finding ways to approach with uh, with respect and with affection and with the sense that things are possible finally. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that the card that you drew, the two of cups, is associated with the place of the Imam Kaylee. Like the the dream oh, yeah. is uh, is being fulfilled here. The, the card that you drew matches the first deckhand of Cancer, and that yes. that placement is the Imam Kaylee here. Precisely, precisely. Yes, yes. Right. So, the place so that's. That sort of indicates that the end of August is even more favorable than the beginning of August. This mm-hmm. is the this is a month when things when we reach a tipping point and we start being able to unite disparate sources into success. And 
the thing that's coming out of the two cups is the uh, Asclepian staff, like the, the healing and the medicine comes from the reconnection. Yeah, uh, it's actually the, the caduceus. Yeah, it's the than caduceus. It, oh, it is the caduceus, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. uh, it is a pretty powerful alchemical symbol, given that it's yeah, it's uh, the red it's, lion. Yeah, it's topped yeah. with the red lion. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's uh, it is it is a really powerful card for kind of like things joining together and blossoming into something new. Um, I think it's it's fortunate. I uh, I, so I like that. I I like that it uh, it also doesn't really. I guess I'd have a hard time applying the Two of Cups to, uh, to money or or work situations much, but um, mm -hmm. I do kind of like this association between the symbolism of the Two of Cups and the symbolism of the double bladed axe, which is the first Decan of Aries. I think that those those two things. Yeah, that's match that's the my, one that defines yeah. the prime ministership of this month, which is uh, which is Mars. And, and Mars is sharing space with the queen of the year. So there's this closeness between what the queen is saying and what the prime minister is saying. And we haven't seen that in too many charts yet this year. I so, feel like when Mars and uh, Venus work together, uh, things go pretty well, except for Hephaestus. He usually gets really uh, butthurt. But. <laughs> yeah, when, when you kind of have Mars and Venus here, you know, it's true. Yeah, kind of yeah. Having a look at each other. Uh, there was something recently that uh, I think on Chris Brennan's podcast that where they were talking a little bit about how uh, this country, the U.S., really loves benefics and cancer uh, in its leaders, and that's kind of an interesting aside, just because this is Venus in Cancer, uh, Venus ruling the first decade of Cancer, where she is. You know, she does ha doesn't have any particular dignity, but she seems to do well there, sort mm -hmm. of like Mercury in Aquarius. Yeah. Whoops, you guys, we've spent a lot of time on August, so I have oh, to ring the sorry. bell. <laughs> well, it's not your we... fault. I, I should have uh, <laughs> I should have stopped us sooner. Uh, Andrew, time to slip on into September. So, again, Venus is the queen of the year, and she's now in Libra. She's actually passed sort of in in late august the place that was the ascendant of on january 1st so to me this is the queen coming home and she's now passed into the third decan of libra which austin Coppock called the gyroscope so this is leadership spinning in order to keep things functional and balanced um, the moon is the prime minister. So this looks a whole lot like change. I, I read somebody recently who was having an annual perfections year uh, ruled by the moon. And so the expectation is that things change every couple of days. So September to me looks like a month when there are a lot of really sudden changes and a lot of sudden reversals because as the moon moves, she's going to be delegating responsibilities to all of the, the other planets as she passes by them and carrying their concerns down to us. Uh, I said in my preliminary notes that this really looks like the best month of the coming year when enough things change. Mm -hmm. um, Jupiter is, is coming to the end of his retrograde in, uh, in Aquarius. He's, he's, spent some time in Pisces. He's gone back into Aquarius. He's about to start moving 
forward again. Um, but this feels favorable in a lot of different ways. Plus the moon's in its own sign. Oh, and the moon is in her own sign, right? Mm -hmm. So the prime minister is not only uh, in charge, but has the popular support of the people. <laughs> well, now let's see if uh, Susie's tarot card screws all of that up. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. That's the risk. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's oh, great. heck. It's the, uh, it's, the, it's the card of wishes. Fishes and wishes. Jupiter and Pisces, nine of cups. Yeah, it doesn't get better than this, guys. This is great. It's kind of the, um, the happiest of cards, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's literally known as the Lord of Happiness. Uh, I don't know if you did that on purpose. <laughs> I will never of tell. Of course him. he did. Of course he did. Yeah, and the thing is that what's interesting about this is just reflecting on what Andrew was saying about the moon is that the moon card in tarot is the card of the zodiacal sign of Pisces. So there's a connection there as well. Um, yeah, this, this is interesting because it uh, also suggests that, you know, there's that, that the thing that one has been longing for will come true. And, you know, that, that kind of is nice in terms of the continuation of the Two of Cups story we saw in the last uh, last month, but also in the terms of the time of year when, you know, things kind of speed up for many people, those who are involved in school in whatever form, uh, and the August vacations have ended and people are sort of returning to work. It feels good. It feels like people are doing what they've been wanting to do. And that is, I think, entirely positive. The other thing I wanted to check on is um, when... Uh, I guess it's not happening yet. When is Jupiter entering Pisces? December. It, yeah, uh, we've got a while yet. But I mean, it also it, it, it kind of slipped in and out earlier in the year too, didn't it? <clears throat> it did. If you uh, if you look back to the July chart, you can see that Jupiter is retrograde in the first decade uh, of Pisces. Yes. Uh, yes. And yeah. and he was direct in June mm -hmm. in the first decade of Pisces. So. June, right. July, he's there for a little bit. He's there for a very little bit in very late May. Yeah. And uh, and then he slips back out, and then he'll go in for real in December. Right. Good. Just yeah, in time the, for Christmas. <laughs> the, uh, the, the nice thing about this is that I'm just looking at your chart of, um, of September, and we have Pisces on the ninth house. And, you know, and that just suggests that there's a real excitement about returning to learning again and to getting to um, choose to explore and discover things. In some cases it may, um, you know, just, I don't know, I just think it's going to be a, a wonderful time for returning to, um, you know, you mentioned the people and the moon is sometimes associated with the people, right? Yeah. So this this seems like a really great time, both for you know the the collective unconscious and the population at large. There's something about this that's very sweet, like you're allowed to have dreams again. Yeah, and if you look at the the previous three months, the chart of July has all of the planets sort of in a train. They they run from 
um, the fifth house all the way around to the twelfth house. So there's there's a train and every single every single sign is occupied by something. And then August is a lot more balanced. Like there's between theoretical points and planets, there's only one house that doesn't have anything in it. And when we look at the chart of September, we've got a really nice balance between things in the private realm or the economic realm and the public realm above the horizon or the the, yeah, the pub, the doubly public realm, the public and private in the personal life and the economic, uh, the, the economic world under the ascendant descendant axis in a, in a judicial chart or above the axis in the public realm, the political realm. Mm -hmm. So we're September looks like the point where we're starting to move from things being deliberately dictated or decreed by politics or by economics to a a more reasonable balance between the political and the economic between the public and the private yes yes i think that's right okay (laughs) (laughs) october october So in the last episode, I said that Venus in Scorpio, which is where she is on October 2nd, it kind of functions like a, a woman in a place where where women ought not to be, like the woman in the men's locker room. Um, if she's dressed for a party, she can be, uh, she can put on a, a brave face about it. She can be she can pretend embarrassment. She can adopt a posture of seduction. She can be brazen about it, but one way or another, she has to be prepared to cop an attitude in that space. And, uh, and so this is the queen with the attitude. Uh, you know, there's no point in getting huffy about it, son. I've seen it all before is, (laughs) is kind of the attitude. She's also acting as her own prime minister. The ascendant is in um, is in the middle decan of Taurus, which is has got a very sensual name, the the lingam yoni, which is the the abstract penis and vagina of the god and goddess in Hinduism. I think it's uh, what Shiva and uh, uh, Shakti. Shiva and Shakti, and but, oh, I'm sorry, but. It is kind of a troubling place since she's in opposition by sign. She is in opposition by sign. And the planet that's just above the horizon in Taurus is um, is Uranus, retrograde. Mm. So there's a lot of revolutionary fervor here. There's a lot of sense of upheaval or upset. And... uh, so Venus is trying to maintain control over the kingdom and not entirely successful because she's not, she's not in her own place of power and the people are, the people are revolting. The peasants are revolting. <laughs> but uh, she is in a Deccan that she rules, correct? She is in a Deccan which she rules. It's called the Crow. So, um, mm. Susan, you were talking about that third decan of Scorpio. Yeah, Yeah, Eros and Thanatos. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is really one of my absolute favorite decans because it's, you know, it is hmm. 
it is a fermentation process. It is a transmutation of that which is um, past its prime, the overblown rose, you know, the the mascara running, the sort of like jaded beauty uh, turning into the next thing, whatever that's going to be. I often think of it as, you know, that, that moment when, um, when you take everything that was once beautiful food and put it in the compost and then it becomes, you know, the substrate for the next wonderful thing to grow out of. But there's a period where it doesn't look very nice at all. Um. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Susan, I, I get the feeling that you're, you're going to flip over the devil card there. Let's see. No, it's the moon. <laughs> oh, I was close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. was just thinking about that because uh, one of the things in Andrew's uh, summary is actually about the moon. <laughs> he, if, if you, you you want me to go into that? <laughs> I would love to hear about it. Let's, let's see what's going on. The moon in Virgo in the fifth house in the 13th mansion. Yeah, so the 13th mansion's traditional image is uh, a a man aroused in the company of a naked woman. <laughs> I've uh, never even heard of this before. And uh, <laughs> and it's in the fifth house, which is sex, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting laid regularly in October, you are making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. And, uh, and I think that's particularly true if you're trying to get pregnant. Like mm. this is this is arousal for pleasure, but it is also arousal for the purpose of creating children. And this is a really nice set of arrangements here where you've got the moon in Virgo in the fifth house in the 13th mansion, all of those things point to sex as fun, but also sex as, uh, as procreation. Well, yes. Uh, and the moon also reflects that as well. The moon being the mother of fertility and um, she who, causes all things to wax but also you know because of that venus and scorpio decan that we were talking about scorpio 3 and neptune being in pisces which is the sign represented by the moon card there's a lot of like glamour and illusion and fantasy going on and people not seeing things for what they are which is possibly the what's causing all of the getting laid happening here you know there's some beer goggles on these people <laughs> that may be true but it'll be interesting because i don't know about where where you live eric but there was virtually nothing halloweeny here at all oh same and, here and there's there's almost certainly a fair bit of pent-up excitement around halloween and and it's going to be kind of like carnival it there's Ooh, gonna be this this is a good this point. release of all of this tension, social tension in the form of a party, you know, if we're if we're in fact genuinely past the worst of COVID by October, I think we are. I hope um, so. Then hope this so. then this looks like um this looks like a a fantasy flesh market like we haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> I feel like there are uh, Hecate will be pleased by the um, the uh, the the howling Halloween orgies that will be held in her name. Now, in the political realm, we have a a trine between Mercury retrograde and Jupiter retrograde, and there the third point of the trine is the lot of fortune in Gemini, in the second house. 
So this feels a whole lot like business and law figuring out what the con- the the legal, political, and economic consequences of um, of COVID nineteen are coming to some sort of grand bargain, and uh, and and figuring out how to move forward. So this is this is the financial rapprochement between the legal consequences and the economic consequences and finding the new way forward. It and doesn't mean that you're going to get a check for all of the lost rent. Um, no, but this, you're, this is a big somebody, business Somebody solution. up the chain might. <laughs> your, your somebody bank up will. the chain might. I also think there's going to be a cultural moment. I think there's going to be something in the world of the arts or, you know, something huge, like the way Hamilton was huge. You know, there's okay. going to be something that's, uh, that 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 the collective just latches onto and loves. I think it's I going would, to be the Arnie Manson podcast. Agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. I don't. I, I don't know that it's going to be Arnie Manson, but there is going to be a <laughs> cultural moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, Susie, regarding the moon uh, here in particular, I always feel like the the moon card has some pretty dark elements to it can you speak yeah, it's a little because bit you spend your time in the 15th century <laughs> but, it's uh, well, the, uh, it's cozy there yeah yeah <laughs> no i mean the traditional i think the traditional correspondences of the moon are a lot darker um the further back you go because of the the sort of uncertainty i also think it has to do with a certain amount of misogyny frankly but oh. the um but I th- yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, I, th- I think particularly when we talk about um, Renaissance and Enlightenment values, which are so solar, you know, I think there's a real distrust of what the moon might bring um, and, you know, and the nervousness around what you can't be sure of, what you can't reason your way through. So I think, yeah, this is a place for dreams and fantasies and things that aren't real. And I think that there's something to be wary of in that. But, you know, um, but I but I I tend to think that, you know, if you look at this progression from the nine of cups to the to the moon that we just saw, you know, this is about the having the wish in the nine of cups and then seeing it envisioned imagined you know projected in front of you in the moon there's a relationship between the two so so it's gonna feel amazing even if it's not real even if you're just high you know okay i like that actually i that's that's interesting i'm gonna and i'm gonna spend a little bit of time thinking about how how i interpret the moon because that's a really good point that Mm -hmm. you bring up I, I think that's brilliant, Susan. Yeah. But I I th- already thought it, you're brilliant when it Aww. comes to this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what kind of dreams people get in October. You know, I think that's going to be something to look out for. There, well, I mean, it is the case that the uh, that the Imam Kaley, the dream place, mm-hmm. is in the third decan of uh, of uh, Cancer, which, which is, is the overflowing moon, moon. cup. Right, right, and the four right, of cups. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, almost a surfeit of dreams, more dreams than you really want, or more dreams of the same type than you really want. Right, mm. right, yeah. Interesting. Do we feel ready for November? Sure. Sure. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look. 
So Venus has come back to Sagittarius as the queen of the year. She's moved a little bit past where she was on January 1st. Uh, she's in the horse's skull, which is the third decan of Sagittarius, which uh, I think we said is the 10 of, 10 of wands. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and here she is being ruled by those twin powers of law represented by Jupiter and nature represented by Saturn. So it's the queen, but the queen constrained or managed by her closest advisors and connecting people together and re reintegrating people, but also doing so in a relatively cautious way. Uh, I, I put in my notes that this looks like some kind of a return to lockdown, but I, I think I'm going to back off of that a bit. Um, She's she's advanced the story from where she started. And um, and the other piece of it is that the son is the prime minister and he hasn't been the prime minister all year. All right. Uh, hmm. So this I, I think I have to give this a much more sunny forecast. And uh, and the sun is sharing space with Mars. So this looks like a, a hotter November both in the sense of, you know, warmer temperatures, but also, um, you know, per politically or, or economically a little bit more hot, uh, a little bit fiercer. There's bound to be a point somewhere around here where the sun, uh, where, where Mars is Kazemi the sun. Uh, yes, I think that has already happened sort of in late October. Possibly a really good election for those of you who are doing astrological magic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, if you go back and you look at the October 3rd chart, uh, you'll see that the sun is at 10 degrees of Libra and Mars is at 12 degrees of Libra. Oh, well... And hmm. Oh, wow. So, so they, might actually, uh, they might actually conjunct in Libra instead of Scorpio. Well, yeah. While <laughs> Susie is talking about the card, I'll go and look at that date and figure out what's going on. All right, let's have a look here. It was the you know the card that wanted to come up was the bottom one on the on the entire deck, which almost never happens. But let's see what we got. Okay. Eight of Wands. Eight of Wands. Sag one. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's definitely a Jupiter theme going on here. Um, last three cards have all been uh, Jupiter ruled, which is interesting. Uh, so this is the card that, you know, we talked a little bit in the previous episode, I think, about the uh, the speed of the arrow in the first decan of Sagittarius, the swiftness of that decan. And uh, this is a Mercury ruled decan. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. It's um, This looks to me like a fantastically quick news cycle like things just keep happening over and over and over exactly and um chickens coming home to roost as well okay um one one thing that does worry me a little bit about the eight of um wands is that you know uh, 
I, I think I don't remember exactly what what Austin calls it. There's something about a poison vector in it, um, poison arrow. I think. Oh yeah, the poisoned arrow is the name yeah. of the decan. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Because this is, you know, this is a somewhat amoral kind of a card. You know, I, I use these as talismans for getting my luggage through baggage claim <laughs> because it's it's uh there, there's something about it that's like goes around the rules a little bit so um uh so this this guy is first of all it may indicate um a return to travel around thanksgiving you know that could be there but i'm a little bit worried about what will happen with the virus um huh. you know, because of that I'm not, you know, super concerned, but it's, it is just, you know, so much communication, so much interaction, so much just like people talking in enclosed spaces that I'd be a little bit concerned. And that's also the decan where the South Node is located. So All right. it, there is additionally that warning about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what does the weather hold? And and we do, in fact, have an eclipse on November 19th, a lunar eclipse. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and that lunar eclipse is uh, is in Aquarius. So is that right? No. That, that can't be right. That's not right. What am I looking yeah. at here? Hang on. The lunar eclipse I am in the right month. would be in Gemini. Yeah, so the... I mean, we're in Gemini Sag eclipses, right? No, oh, I'm looking at the wrong line of the ephemeris. Excuse oh, me. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's got to be in Gemini. Yeah. The um, or well, possibly see, yeah, in uh, Taurus, since yeah, it's it's a 27 yeah. Taurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's that little bit of overlap in the eclipse in the Saros cycles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because bless you. Wait, uh, could you hear that? You couldn't hear that, could you? I, I totally could. Yeah, I totally could. What? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your mute button's not working, is it? Well, I mean, I can't hear it on my side. That's going to be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> if that shows up in the recording. <laughs> I don't well, know. you'll see it. <laughs> I'm very confused by some of the stuff that the that my recording setup has started doing uh, just yeah. today. Um, yeah. But yeah, hot. we before we even started recording, we were getting uh, ghost signals from some radio station. Where was it in Cincinnati? Detroit. I thought. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit. Like a, what is it, Dirk Cunningham or something? Dale Dirk Cunningham. Dale, Dale Cunningham. W X Y Z Detroit. <laughs> but then also, you guys can't hear my sound effects. Right. It's so odd. Right there, I made a great flushing noise that I will probably keep in the episode, even though you guys can't hear it. Yeah, I guess uh, I'm gonna have to spend some time on the phone with uh, with Rodecaster support. Yeah, it's almost like line in and line out might have gotten a little confused. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's hope it's not too confused though, because if we've yeah. recorded all of this and we haven't recorded all of this. I will probably cry. Are you seeing waveforms somewhere? Oh yeah, it all looks good. I'm seeing I'm okay, seeing waveforms uh, all over the place, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going where they're supposed to. God, I hope so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that would suck. I mean, if nothing else, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I've been taking well, notes. Well, good. I'm learning a lot too. Um, 
I'm trying to think if I've got any questions about November because I guess here here's the thing that I'm that I'm curious about uh, considering the cards that we've drawn so far the the charts that we've been looking at so far uh, I feel like I'm getting mixed messages about how the COVID situation is going to be going like it seems sometimes we're sort of like oh the you know the um, the vaccines are going to be present and people are going to start getting them mm -hmm. but then other times we're kind of like oh looks like people are going to start coughing down each other's throats again and we're all going to have well, a new wave know, of I, I mean I think this the second half of the year has so far looked pretty good except for you know just just a little bit of concern about November because people are going to be feeling so optimistic I don't know what happened to my camera uh, people are going to be feeling so optimistic because things have been going so well and they missed last Thanksgiving that they're just going to go all out you know and travel to see everybody so oh. you know in the middle of flu season and right. so, so that's it, slightly concerning I guess the, it could the be other Oh, yeah, go, Andrew. The other thing that's worth considering is that coronaviruses, as I understand it, not being an expert, are enormously mutable. They are, um, they're the, they're the common cold. And, and this is part of the reason why vaccines haven't been developed before for them, is mm. that they're exceptionally mutable and they change. And even in the midst of this current pandemic, we had one version coming in from China and we had another version coming in from Europe via China. Like it had gone to, from China to Europe and then from Europe to the US. So we had two different versions of the virus. And I'm sure that your listeners fall into a number of different social classes and risk categories. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I, I saw a list that was sent to me by somebody in Britain of the nine different categories of uh, of people who are going to get the the vaccine and the priority. And even given who I am and and my age, I still fall into nine the ninth out of nine groups. I don't get the vaccine until the very very end of the process. Now that may be different here in the states. But I think I think that what we're going to see is that the future is, is it, it's the the Rob's the uh, the Rod Sterling line about the future is here, but it's not evenly distributed. Mm. Yeah, right? yeah. The mm -hmm. the the vaccine is here, but it's not going to be evenly distributed throughout 2021. And there are going to be times when we have to use our masks, and there are times when we're going to be able to rely on the vaccine. And there are times when we're not going to be able to do either of those things. I think that that's the message is that, that you have to be aware of local conditions. It's right. uh, it's so funny, you know, it hasn't been that many generations since um, humanity has had to constantly live in the grip of fear from um, deadly contagions. You know I mean? Uh, it, you know, I mean, when mm -hmm. was uh, when was penicillin? Penicillin was what, like a hundred years ago, hundred and twenty years ago. It, it's even yeah. more recently than that. I mean, I had rheumatic fever in the early nineteen seventies as a kid, wow. and right. if you get rheumatic fever, usually it kills you. And the the solution was that I went across the street every week, every Wednesday, to 
to get an enormous syringe full of liquefied penicillin shoved into the, the gluteus maximus with a huge needle that they never allowed me to see until after Eesh. I'd taken the dose. And wow. I did I did that from the time that I was nine until the time that I was 15 when I finally said, I don't want any more shots. Wow. 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 Like, that was a week, a weekly dose of penicillin to get me past the worst of rheumatic fever. And I was still quarantined for six weeks. And then uh, even like, you know, smallpox, like uh, you guys probably didn't get the smallpox vaccine, but people. Oh, I did. Yeah, oh, you did. You did. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I was really surprised when I learned that, you know, people just a couple years years older than me had smallpox vaccines but i i didn't i didn't get yeah it. i mean well there's one guy i just listened to the podcast about this this year this one guy developed like over 50 60 percent of the vaccines we all get now and he did it in the like the 50s and 60s you know i mean before mm -hmm. that it was completely different hilleman was his name maurice hilleman, hilleman. Mm -hmm. 1921 uh <laughs> i had i had an uncle named great uncle named louis whom i never met because in 1921, Louis was three and he started exhibiting all sorts of strange symptoms in a tenement building in Brooklyn. He's three-year-old baby, charming, lovely, suddenly sickly, weird, behaving strangely, coughing strangely. So they sent for the doctor and the doctor came up to the fourth floor of their tenement in, in Sweden town in, in Brooklyn, looked into the crib and said, he has diphtheria he'll be dead by morning and he was yikes that's 1921 like, right that's it's not that long ago yeah 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 i guess uh, 100 years ago that's a that's 100 years ago 19 and yeah. and the vaccine for diphtheria was i think invented in 1925 so i guess the wow. the thing that this is making me think of is like I think a lot of the weird reactions people are having to the pandemic in the United States is that is that most people alive today, in fact, a huge number of people alive today have never had to deal with anything like this. It's almost like um, yeah. it's almost like if the Internet went away tomorrow and everybody's like, that, this is impossible. We've always had the Internet. You know, I mean, we haven't always had uh, the ability to fight off. Every, uh, anyhow, it, we're we're yeah. we're straying wildly from uh, <laughs> from our episode but I guess it's just something to keep in mind as we're going through this yes there is absolutely no way for the three of us at this point to really know how the pandemic is going to go so if there are sort of like widely varying predictions based on this mm -hmm. stuff we just you know it's and uh, and I think you pointed it out Eric in our in our in one of your episodes earlier this year where you went back and you listened to our forecast episodes from December of, of 2019 for 2020. And you were like, wow, we got a lot of stuff right, even though we were pessimistic about our predictions. Like we were trying to blow it mm -hmm. off and not, not buy into our own distress about what we were seeing in the charts or in the tarot cards. You're right. So it's very possible that right now, uh, just based on the way that this year has gone, we're all being a lot darker about predictions, but we we won't know. We won't know until we, we get there. We won't know until we get there, and and I think that that's okay. That that the charts themselves are saying there's reason for celebration, there's reason for caution. Pay attention to local conditions. Right. That's good advice. Right. 
That's good advice always. Let's move on now that I have... I'm sorry, I'm going to ring the bell on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Time for December. December. All right. Venus is back in Capricorn as the queen of the year. She is in the seventh house and she is in the decan of the throne. So this is a great place for the queen of the year to end up. Uh, She's not in a position of any enormous power, but at the same time, she's about to have her conjunction with Pluto, the Lord of accumulation. And, uh, and that may be difficult, but, uh, but she's also trying to the lot of fortune. So I, mm. I no, she's uh, she's opposed to the lot of fortune actually. Mm. Um, and then the moon and Mars are having a conjunction in uh, in Scorpio in the fifth house, mm. and that's trying to the lot of fortune, which is in Cancer. And the the lot of fortune is in the first house, which means that cancer is the ruler or the the prime minister for lack of a better term and uh and so that moon mars conjunction has got me a little nervous but it's it's a relatively light touch in the fifth house i would feel nervous about that conjunction as well it just feels mm-hmm. it feels a little scary having the moon conjunct mars and the moon ruling the ascendant while yeah well we'll see I although guess. you know let's see that's the uh, yeah and that's the that's that third decan of scorpio again isn't it that's the gothic beauty yeah <laughs> yes it's, uh, which is the Ven- it's yeah. a venus decan yeah. it is a venus yeah. decan all right yeah um well let's look at the card all right Seven of Swords. Seven of Swords. Not interesting. Not the most terrifying of swords. No, no. You know, I mean, this is the Moon in Aquarius three, which, as uh, Andrew was saying before, is the twenty-sixth mansion. It's the Lord of Futility. It's my happens to be my natal lunar placement. I tend to like it a lot. So you know, even though the guy looks like he's in the middle of a heist film and everything's about to go wrong, you know, there's still a lot to like about this. It's a very resourceful card. Um, however, that said, you know, there is a Janus quality about it, and you know, we are talking about the end of the year. There's definitely things happening in both directions. So you know, there's. There's uh, there the caution with this card is always this kind of distraction, you know, that we see uh, the person's not looking where he's going, and there's a very excellent chance that there's going to be some tripping on the banana peel before all is said and done. I like that. And I note that if this is the third decan of Aquarius, that's actually where Jupiter is in the chart for December. Oh, yes. I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So so the thing to be aware of, though, is that there's a square between Jupiter and um, and the the moon Mars conjunction. It's it's Mm -hmm. it's loose ish. You've got 
Jupiter at 25 Aquarius and you have the moon Mars at about 22, 22 and a half. Um, uh, but then that uh, you've, you've got the lot of fortune in cancer at 25. So there's sort of a, a yodish quality to this. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a, a technical yod, which it would be sixth and eighth house to first house. This is sort of late fifth and, late eighth to first house yeah yeah so there's a real scramble to this card you know i mean i always think of the five six and seven as as having a very particular relationship the six tends to be where things are going well and where we're finding solutions and the five looks forward to it and the seven looks back and says i want to i want to keep that going there's like a scrambling to um, to get back into balance with the seven and sometimes taking on a bit too much. So. Yeah, it's it's gloating over its successes and what it's managed to get away with, but not necessarily paying attention to the next crisis. Right, right, right. There's there's definitely a um, oh gosh, an Epimetheus feel to the seven <laughs> of swords. <laughs> Well, in hindsight, that's not a bad way to end of the year. <laughs> nice, nice. High five. High five. <laughs> and there's a little bit of cross the river humor for everybody. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, so one of the nice things about uh, December is that later in December, we do have uh, Jupiter moving into Pisces, don't we? Yay! Yes. Finally. Which means that we're probably like our 2022 uh, forecast will be great, assuming we don't all get stabbed <laughs> during the Seven of Swords month. Um, yeah, that does happen on uh, on the 30th of December. So, thir- so we don't right get much of it okay. right at the end. Okay, I I I'd love to see that chart, um, I, I, which I guess I can do. I can't anyway. wait, yeah. man. Um, but so let's uh, let's sort of think about like what what are we supposed to take away from this year as a whole? Like looking at all of the stuff that we've talked about, mm-hmm. looking at kind of the spread of spread of the cards. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. what do you guys feel are the best months? Where should we be looking to find like what, what are we supposed to be yeah, uh, I, I, aiming for? I mean, I really love the fall. I love the way that whole like stretch from, from really from July through October looks and even the beginning of November I mean just card wise it looks looks pretty sweet from especially let's see August to October that looks really nice to me and what are your feelings Andrew what do you think I think that that's I think that in general the second half of the year is better than the first yeah yeah let's Um, just skip May (laughs) <laughs> Let's just skip May. And okay. and there there is that chunk that didn't appear in any of our charts, but which I have seen in, in discussing things with clients that sort of the 7th through 14th of December looks really dicey because mm. you've got the moon hitting all of the visible planets by conjunction except Mars, which I think it's hitting by square uh, wow. and, in the first two weeks of, of February. And that looks that looks pretty bad. Um, but so, so I, you know, if you look, if we look at Susan's cards, we we started off with the Ace of Wands. We moved to the 
um, the Wheel of Fortune, the High Priestess, the Seven of Cups, and then we hit the Tower. Yes. Yeah. And and then we hit the Page of Swords where there's this necessary review process of everything that's come before. And that card happens to coincide with one of Mercury's retrogrades this year. Mm -hmm. So it's the experts looking back and trying to figure out what it is that they did wrong. Yes. And getting something seriously off balance. So that to me looks like uh, a, a COVID resurgence that, okay. that we, we finally let quarantine break down. We think that we've got a lot of people vaccinated and we haven't got things quite right. But then things improve, right? Uh, right. July, we've got the Queen of Wands, so that's favorable. We've got the Two of Cups, that's favorable. We've got the the Ten of Cups, that's nine of that's nine nine of cups. The Nine of Cups. Sorry, misreading my numbers at because I don't have (laughs) my glasses on, and the picture on the screen is very small. Yes. Um. But then there's the moon. So, you know, as the fall starts, we, we've got a little bit of illusion going on, but we also have that very celebratory October. Uh, yes. and, and then we've got the poisoned arrow slash the, <laughs> the eight of wands and, um, and then making off with the intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the the immediate thing that I noticed looking at this is a complete lack of earth, complete lack of pentacles, complete lack of anything grounded in here. I mean, just to do it real quick, we have Ace of Wands, Elemental Fire, Wheel of Fortune is Jupiter, High Priestess is Moon, Seven of Cups is Venus and Scorpio, the Tower is Mars, Page of Swords is Aquarius, uh, writ large, I guess. Queen of Wands is first two decans of Aries. We have Venus and Cancer, two of cups, Jupiter and Pisces, nine of cups, moon is Pisces, uh, eight of wands is Mercury and Sagittarius. And finally, we have the moon in Aquarius, seven of swords, which is kind of one step forward, two steps back. So, now we, we, know, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a taste of earth in the page of swords. You could say that if you want to, um, say that it covers the quadrant of Capricorn Aquarius Pisces, right? You could say that. But, um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I feel so volatile this year. It feels so labile, you know, I would it looks agree. like there's so, so much, so much course correction going on all of the time. So many feels. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I what the one thing I don't see is like sitting down and just quietly investing in your 401k and doing your work nine to five every day like a nice knight of pentacles. I don't see that. Yeah, there, there, there <laughs> you know? doesn't seem to be any cards that indicate sort of a sitting still. It's all kind of right. like, you know, you, you get a you get a moment of respite here and there. You know, the the nine of cups is yeah. pretty nice, but aside from that, everything is just kind of like secrets and weird choices and explosions and fire <laughs> well i think they it's make a, a really great tv show yeah, yeah it, it yeah. really is dramatic <laughs> really is there's a lot of drama and and a lot of beauty too i mean i think there's going to be i don't know i sort of think the second half of the year next year is going to be one 
one for the history of art. It's going to be beautiful, but um, but not necessarily easy to live through. Right. Romantic. And, and from the perspective of the prime ministers of of the different months, mm-hmm. right? It's Venus in January, Venus in February, <laughs> Saturn in March, um, Venus in April, Jupiter in May, Mars in June, Mercury in July, Mars in August, the moon in September, um, Venus again in October, the sun in November, and the moon again in December. Hmm. So the the structure of, of which planets sort of have have some level of seniority or control over the year is like there Venus is is trying to assert control uh, and provide union connection reunion coherence connection stitching things back together um, providing opportunities for entertainment and enjoyment and and she gets a lot of time over the course of the year but there are periodic martial outbreaks there are months when we go through a lot of rapid change in the form of uh of the moon controlling and changing things every couple of days and we have jupiter sort of doing things with a very heavy-handed nature saturn doesn't rule all that much of the year but, but, uh, but Saturn does spend the entire year in his domicile. A sign that it rules, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the sign of fixed air. What is the thing that, that is one of the key characteristics of COVID, but fixed air, the yeah. inability to breathe? Right. Yeah. So it, it, it is the dominating force of the year, and it remains the dominating force of the year. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be opportunities to get out and about and connect with people, but you have to bear in mind that there is still a potentially lethal disease on the loose. Well, I guess uh, it's not it's not an entirely grim year. Uh, there are things no. to look forward to, and there are still a lot things of things to, be... to look forward to. Yeah, there are a yeah. lot of things to look forward to, but there's also sort of a, a reminder that we should have some caution. Um, mm-hmm. And overall, I guess uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that we uh, did this forecast. We are finishing the recording over here on my side of the world in the hour of Saturn, which I think would make uh, ah, our cannibalistic grandpa incredibly happy if he, <laughs> if he ever can be. Um, but uh, As happy as he ever is. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but both of you, thank you so much for agreeing to oh, do this. Oh, this was so much fun. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I will absolutely have... Uh, both of you on to review part of this later it, uh, later in the year. Um, I might do it individually. Potentially self-flagellate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be it would be fun to yeah. We'll we'll figure out some way to do it. But um, yeah, that would be fun for everybody who has made it to the uh, to the end of our forecast. Uh, definitely go look at Andrew B. Watt 
com and tsusanchang.com. Am I am I uh, doing the world a disfavor by not having uh, ericlarnison.com be <laughs> a website? Oh, or maybe should yes. I? Yes, yes, you are. You should get that right away. I used to. I used to have. Arneson. You should get that before you release Snap this episode. That before... <laughs> I'm wondering if since you know. Uh, Susie abbreviates her first name and Andrew abbreviates his middle name. Should I be abbreviating my last name? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, then we'd have to know what your middle name is. Well, I've already made up names for you guys. It's uh, Tiberius (laughs) Susan Chang and uh, (laughs) Andrew uh, Bellerophon uh, Watt. <laughs> I'll take it. Right. <laughs> that uh, must mean that you're you're Eric Lucretius uh, Arneson. <laughs> How did you know? Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.